Hello, I'm Phil Smith, and welcome once again to our voyage of Eurovisionary discovery, that is, Eurovision in isolation. And the year this year is 2015. Once again, I am joined by four of the best Eurovision experts that I could gather to discuss the happenings of 2015. So I present to you, he's the man with a plan, it's Dan Irvin. Hello again, Phil. Hello, Dan. He is the boy with a toy, he's Alex Smith. Ciao, Phil. He's the mister with a sister, it's Minnie Meyer. Hi, Phil. He's the tit without a hit. It's Simon Rickenback. Hi, Phil. Uh, right, so 2015 Eurovision. We are in Austria. We're in Vienna, to be specific. And no, I can't believe it either. They are in the Wiener Stadthall. It was a big, big Eurovision. I always kind of in my in my mind remember this as a pretty poor Eurovision because it was sandwiched between the two monoliths of 2014 and 2016. Uh, but watching back to uh, to pick the songs out this week, I, I found that there's there's quite a lot that I really enjoy this year. So I was surprised how good the quality was. I think I misremember the the Eurovision itself because it was pretty poorly hosted by the Austrians. But uh, that's a different story. We're just looking at the songs. Could also be because of Electro Velvet. Uh, it's my overriding memory of this year. They were god awful, weren't they? Possibly our worst entry ever. And I don't say that lightly because there's Gemini. Honestly, mate, I agree with you. I think Electro Velvet is possibly the worst thing that we have ever done to anyone. The fact that it got five points is, I still find quite shocking, really. Is it worse than Suez? Probably not worse, but possibly more embarrassing. Uh, but no, we're not discussing Electro Velvet and that absolute monstrosity today. Well, any more than we have already, uh, because I've picked five slightly better songs than that for us to cover, which is nice for me. Uh, so we move on to song number one. Song number one comes from Germany, a, a country we seem to cover more than average on this podcast. They always send things that are at least worthy of comment. Well, they're so, either by Stefan Raab or they're shit, basically. Either really good by Stefan Raab or totally shit. Yeah, you're, you're correct. They are the two main reasons why we cover things from Germany. But there is a third reason. And this week it is Anne-Sophie. And Sophie is the German entry with her song Black Smoke. That was Anne-Sophie. Minnie, why don't you talk us through this one? Thank you, Phil. Germany have gone down the 1998 route this year of staging a live-action Bond title sequence, mm. fronted by a woman wearing most of a dead bird in one ear. 
It's a strong song, powerfully sung, stylishly staged, although the big lamps behind them are oddly ineffectual at illuminating the backing singers. Probably energy-saving bulbs, bloody EU. <laughs> Germany only have themselves to blame for that one. But uh, yeah, I, I assume that the, um, the backs of the backing singers are extremely well lit, but we just can't really see it. Uh, Simon, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I like this song. It, it reminds me of, of Duffy. Um, and I think the set sort of starts off well, really cool staging. Um, and I really like the sound of the song. I think it's a really interesting um, and not often heard at Eurovision uh, uh, sound. But they basically then don't do much with it. They seem to think that, that this girl can be the main feature and we don't really need to look anywhere else. Uh, and yeah, so I think it's, it's decent, but not great. I would agree. I don't think it, it hugely goes anywhere. Uh, but as you say, I really do do like the sound. Uh, Alex? I, I think it's three minutes of just meandering mediocrity, unfortunately. I think I feel like they've spent too long with this particular entry um, trying to make her and the song seem really sexy rather than concentrating on making a good song that might appeal to a, you know, a broad voting Eurovision audience. You know, when you run out of words, all that's left is smoke. That's not enormously inspiring and pretty nonsensical. You're right. It doesn't really doesn't do enough to grab you this song, does it? Um, Dan, where do your feelings lie on this one? Firstly, I pretty much agree with everything everyone's said so far. Uh, the one thing I would say is I don't think anyone's given Anne-Sophie quite enough credit here. I think she carries this song. I think the song itself is warbling. It never gets out of second gear, a bit like a rejected Adele B-side. Um, the staging is pretty basic. Um, the backing singers do fuck all. Um, but Anne-Sophie draws you in with that cool, sexy kind of start. And then actually towards the end, she really starts belting out some big notes that, and giving the song emotion, which is otherwise completely dead from the song is completely dead of emotion. So, yeah, just give Anne-Sophie a bit more credit. But I do agree that it's very middle of the road. Yeah, I think she I, don't, I think Anne-Sophie does a does a really good job, actually. I don't think many people would say that she was the cause of issues with this song yeah I'd, I'd probably like i wouldn't mind listening to this song on the radio but watching it at eurovision it's not it's, it's not a spectacle does anyone like this song enough to label it their favorite song of tonight and give it their dues poids nope that's a big nope for Anne sophie but it can be saved does anyone hate this song so much that it is their least favorite song of tonight so there we go, Anne-Sophie. No do's, but no nils either. So you're OK. Uh, predictions. Now, predictions. Uh, we have a bit of a bit of a range tonight. A bit of a range. So the the songs that I've picked out for us finished third, fifth, tenth, twenty seventh, which is a nil poix. And there is one non qualifier that finished 15th in its semi-final. So we've got a non-qualifier, we've got a nil poix performance, and we've got three ranging from very high performing to a, a bit of a mid-table one. Where do you think Anne-Sophie comes? Simon? 
Yeah, interesting revelation that there's a nil point out there. I, I I have to confess, I don't think any of these songs are really worthy of a, a like a Eurovision nil. That seems a bit harsh. Um, maybe maybe it was this song then, because I can't see I can't see any of the others not getting points apart from the, the one I think probably didn't make it to the final. So I think, yeah, I think this one, is, I'd say maybe it came 27th with nil. Interesting. Right, song number two. And song number two comes from a debuting nation, one of the most recent debutants at Eurovision, no less. Mostly because they're not from Europe. This is Australia with their first Eurovision attempt. This is Guy Sebastian with Tonight Again. We can do tonight again. Guy Sebastian there with a very creditable effort for uh, Australia's very first entry into the Eurovision world. Um, a lot of Australians were, were pretty disappointed when this Australian Idol alumni uh, was announced as their one and only Eurovision entrant because Remember, in 2015, they were told this was a one-time deal to celebrate Eurovision's 60th anniversary and that they wouldn't get another attempt unless they won. So it was a, a one-time deal for them. And they were pretty disappointed with the selection of, of Guy Sebastian, who they thought was a bit of a cheese ball. There were lots of people uh, clamouring for Kylie or Delta Goodrum or more uh, artistically relevant artists. But... I think Guy Sebastian has pulled out an absolute cracker of a song here. Uh, it is a song that doesn't feel out of place in 2015, doesn't feel out of place at Eurovision. I'm not entirely sure what's going on with the staging. I don't get why they've got six street lights and, and four eclectically dressed backing dancers. I'd like to see a little bit more semblance of design from their performance. But musically, I love the song, the the sort of up-to-date funk feel, uh, incredible vocal talents from Guy Sebastian. I don't think he misses a note and some of the runs in the live performance are absolutely incredible. Um, I think this has got an awful lot to offer, but I'm going to open the floor and see who disagrees with me. You're wondering about the street lamps, Phil, and, mm. um, you know, I, I clocked immediately... You know, oh, this is a song that's clearly sort of got that, you know, Bruno Mars influence. Um, the very popular pop funk dance song by Bruno Mars and Mark Ronson, Uptown Funk, came out about six months before this Eurovision, November 2014. Mm -hmm. uh, and it would it would appear that Australia, on the face of it anyway, have, have taken a big influence from that song, both in the kind of the sound, the feel of the song, but then also the look and the way that they've staged it in amongst those street lamps and the uh, the overhead camera at one point. Uh, the, the the floor that lights up below even sort of has this kind of moving road or highway effect. So I I, I wonder if it's sort of been influenced by the uh, the popularity of Uptown Funk. I, I, 
in terms of the song, I thought it was really good. I mean, um, I was a little bit skeptical when Australia joined uh, Eurovision for this particular year. I, I did wonder, you know, well, you know, if if you have Australia, well, who else? You know, it they send a really credible effort and, you know, clearly respectful of uh, the competition. And I suspect it did very well. It's it's a very, very good song delivered impeccably. Um, and to that, you know, you've got to applaud them. It's their first time. OK, uh, Simon, agree with us so far? Yeah, not really, Phil. It sort of feels like the chorus starts after about 30 seconds and then they're doing it for basically the rest of the song. I didn't get on with this very well. I kind of, it's another sort of generic tonight's the night genre song, you know, the Eurovision trope. I even, said it was my favourite trope. I did. <laughs> even his name's generic, like Guy Sebastian, yeah, fine. Um, you forget it as you're sort of saying it. I just didn't get on. I didn't like it. I didn't like the staging. I, just, uh, I thought, like, why aren't the lampposts doing anything? Uh, the whole time I thought those lampposts are going to do something and that's going to be good, and then they didn't. And I, I really hate the fashion ensemble. It looks like they've basically been like, oh, right, guys, you know, Eurovision, you know, grand final tomorrow night, seven o'clock sharp. Yeah. Oh, oh, what are we going to wear? Oh, don't worry, just wear whatever you want, really. I have to disagree with Simon, and I think it won't be the last time this evening. I think the uh, costume choices are excellent because they're dressed casually. It's not uniform. They're all, they all look like they're just sort of a group of people hanging out. But because they're so in sync and because their clothes are quite cool and the colours match quite well, I think it's a really good choice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to land somewhere in between the two of you there. Um, actually, despite the fact that I disagree with pretty much everything that Simon says about the song, I kind of agree on the fashion choices. I don't, I don't like it. I'd like to see them a bit more uniform. But I do see what Minnie's saying. I think it's potentially just the ladies' pink top that is far brighter than everything else. There. The, the ladies' pink top and then the two backing dancers who are in all black and you can't really even see them. One of them's in like maroon, but he's usually in the background and he just looks like it's in all black. Yeah, you lose him in the, in the back. Yeah. Yeah, I have I have issues with what they're wearing. I, it's possibly my least favourite thing of the song. I do kind of agree with what Simon's saying. I did. I think at first glance, I thought that those lampposts were going to do something in the performance as well. Um, that yeah, the live performance doesn't wow me. But actually, I'm I'm going to come out put this on the table. As far as a song, I think this is one of my all-time favourite Eurovision songs. Um, I think it's it's flawless. I don't care that it's a Bruno Mars ripoff. It's a bloody good one. Sorry, I should say that's an Australian. It's a bloody good one. I do have to pick up on his hat as well. Really dislike his hat. It's slightly too big for his head. There, I've said it. Dan, what are your thoughts on Guy Sebastian's hat? Yeah, um, only last week we mentioned the tonight trope. Guy Sebastian thinks we can do tonight again, like he's at a pub past closing time. Uh, I'm afraid I agree with Simon. Um, ah. This is wanky generic is what I've got here. It's oh. just I've heard it all before. Um yeah, and I guess 2015 is probably a bit more of the time than it is now, and it may have done quite well, but uh, it's not really for me. Can I just say, you, don't, you guys don't have to apologise when you're agreeing with me, as if it's some sort of sin. Yeah, but for, for reference, Dan, you do need to apologise when you're agreeing with Simon. Um, it is a sin, and 
Um, if you do it three weeks in a row, we will kick you off the podcast. Um, you, you mentioned tonight again uh, the title of the song. Uh, I have, you know, I run through scenarios in my head relatively regularly. And if I ever do get my own late night chat show, I will be calling it tonight again, and this will be the theme tune. And I think that works perfectly. Um, so, producers, if you are listening, you know, I'm very, very cheap. Um, okay, not as much love in the room for Guy Sebastian as I, I must admit, I was hoping for. So, um, I say it in hope rather than expectation. Any do's poise. And nil poise. Yeah, Phil, this is getting mine, no uh, When I'm listening to it, I kind of, I think it's catchy. And then when it stops, I can't remember how it goes. Um, Okie dokie. Predictions time. Was this song home or away? Uh, Dan. I think, I, I was a bit harsh on this earlier. I think in the lights of the night, it could, it could do quite well. Uh, so I'm actually going to say fifth. Okay, in which case we shall move on to song number three. Song number three comes from a another country we've covered a fair amount on the podcast. This is uh, the former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia, as it was known at the time, now North Macedonia. This is Daniel Kajmakowski with his song Autumn Leaves. Every moment will hurt from the Autumn leaves. Only makes sense that I hand it to the person in the autumn of their time with us, Simon Ruckenbach. Yeah, let's call this one a Phil Smith, by which I mean a story of wasted potential. Oh, wow. It's sort of a fantastic and touching studio version with an absolutely terrible live performance combined with some bizarre staging decisions. It looks like Edward Norton and three C low budget greens. <laughs> it actually starts all right. They've got sort of they've got the guy on the stage. His voice doesn't have the same power as it does in the studio version. And the background looks like it could be interesting, but then basically it, nothing happens. Nothing changes. It's just a sort of a set of columns, and then three guys in sunglasses who sway about turn up. It's just not entertaining as in the same way it doesn't it loses the the meaningfulness that you get in the the original version of the song and i think that's a real shame begrudgingly simon has very eruditely made all the points i was going to make and actually i feel like we could probably just move to the scores you need to apologize if you're going to i'm i'm sorry listeners i would i would love to disagree with him but it's so true it's such a it's such a waste. This this song had so much potential lyrically. It's very touching and it's very moving, but it's quite still. Um, it doesn't really sort of develop. It's a little bit meandering in the live performance. That is um, mm-hmm. the the backdrop is you know incredible, 
but you know what's the what's the well, what's the title of the song for starters? It's autumn leaves. So obviously they've got a backdrop of some sort of Roman columns. Yeah. You know, you'd have thought that you might have sort of put him in a forest, or you know, at least in front of a kind of an oak which starts out green and maybe then ends sort of um, you know orangey browny over the course of the song as the autumn leaves fall. It would have been lovely, but no. Instead, yeah. we've just got these random Roman columns behind him. Um, similarly, he's he's joined by three backing dancers, which. Um, we say this so, so sorry, backing dancers slash singers. We say this so often about backing dancers and singers, and so much as they look out of place. Um, a, a quick Google research: these are three successful singers and, and and indeed a successful band in their own right. These are a band called Black Street. No diggity of, of no diggity fame. Yeah, ding, 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 no diggity. Gone pass it up. Pass it up. And when you when you think it's a, you know a song of a performance of of wasted potential, you've got you know a world renowned band that sort of just sit behind them and sort of shimmy about a little bit, and then at the end of the song, given this sort of weird sort of nodding head, yeah, nailed that, mate, well done, kind of <laughs> input, which is just weird. That, that that is the bit that like really throws me because we we I. Uh, provided the panelists with both the studio version and the live version to listen to and I think it's fair to say and I don't think I'm I'm disrespecting the song here to say they really fuck up the uh the live version it is flat it is all over the place um it sounds horrific um but like when we've seen other acts do really terribly like Gemini um they have a look of panic on their face quite often. They they look like they know this is going badly and wrong. These guys look like they feel like they've nailed it. And I just can't agree with that. They have not. <laughs> Let's come to Dan. I'm going to start actually with um, a piece of hard-hitting analysis from friend of the podcast page. Okay. Do we all remember the Christmas film Nativity? We didn't see it, but yeah. Okay. There's a uh, there's a there's a kid a, a child character called Bob. Well, he performs uh, something that looks and sounds a lot like Daniel Kashmirkowski. One night, one moment. Yes, um, yes, he's a bit he's a grown up Bob, isn't he? The other point, I guess, has already been touched on a little bit, but the studio version is just so much better than the live performance. It's first of all, you have the fact that it sounds better. Uh, Daniel seems to, to slur his words on the night, um, and the video itself is is quite good. It's simple, but it sort of it paints this moving picture of this this broken-hearted stick man. And uh, the live performance has none of this. You've got the Roman columns going on in the background, and there's kind of no hint towards the story of the song. Um, certainly not without deep analysis of the lyrics um and lastly daniel never appears in the music video and unfortunately that's because he's got a really punchable face <laughs> uh yeah I, by all accounts and and everything i've read daniel's a, a really lovely guy and everyone spoke very very highly of him um but i can't disagree his his, his face is incredibly punchable with that puberty mustache and everything else that's going on yeah um yeah this was one of my absolute this is one of my like top five favorite songs coming into uh this eurovision and i saw it on stage and i just went 
what have you done to my song? I was telling everyone how great this song was. And then, nope, they went and fudged it up. Um, Minnie, anything to add? I'm going to disagree, uh, but only insofar as I don't think this song had potential. <laughs> uh, first, I was hoping it would be the jazz standard Autumn Leaves, but then I was disappointed to find this bloke who I wish would Autumn Leave. Nice. I, I like it. For those that don't know, Minnie does have a, a, a jazz blog. Would you like to plug it here? Jazzimpressions.co.uk. Do you want a jingle for the... Um, for your blog mate would i it's jazz impressions i'm doing jazz hands <laughs> right um do's and nil poires uh there wasn't a lot of love um any any do's poires for for poor daniel afraid not danny boy um nil poires Yes, Phil, I will give this my nil point. I think it had potential, as we've already discussed. And this is a relatively strong week, to be fair. But this is clearly, from the live performances, the, the worst of the five that we're looking at. So for me, it's a nil point. I'll also give it my nil point for the same reasons. Wasted potential. I'd also like to give it my nil point. I was hoping that Simon would love this song. It seemed like his sort of thing. But he didn't. So it's doubly annoying. He he's loved it enough to not give it his nil point though. So I think you can uh, we can still chastise him for that. I, I did think about it, but I thought the I thought the good studio version gave gave me enough to to not give it here. I I'm sorry, listeners, but I I do have to agree with Simon. Uh, they do have an excellent studio version. Um, predictions Gotta be a non-qualifier Right Song number four Comes from Serbia Serbia have selected Bojana Steminov And this is her Ballady song Beauty Never Lies Beauty never lies. Arguing for the defence, Daniel Irvin. Thank you, Phil. Brianna's Beauty Never Lies is a tricky act for me to critique. The first half is a, a drony ballad in which Brianna appears to perform a very simple but bold statement on body image and self-confidence. The song is pretty boring and she never attempts any big notes. However, this actually appears to be a setup, as at 1 minute 50, she finally belts out a big note, the bass drops, and her backing singers undergo a significant wardrobe change. Um, and from there on, the song is a sort of ballad stroke dance track hybrid that is full of energy. I think the statement of the song is far better than the performance itself. With both halves completely forgettable musically, both before and after the drop, and if anything, that drop comes far too late. I don't understand what the point is in a three-minute song having one minute and 50 seconds of build-up to 
arguably the better bit. So, yeah, not so much of a fan of this one. Interesting. I, 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 I quite like the concept, and I think it would be a shame if they, um, if they introduced the disco dance too early on. It, it sort of, it's not a surprise a change after thirty seconds or so. You, you need the duration of it to sort of, I think, for the surprise to work. I don't know how anyone else feels. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a great build-up. Uh, I'm not really normally a fan of ballads, but the reveal is worth it. It pays off so well. She really belts it out. She looks to me like, uh, I write down, Spacey Lane Matthews, which is a niche reference to season three of niche. Drag Race. Niche. But I like it. I like it. I like her sparkly hair, uh, and I love the body positivity, as Dan mentioned, the lyric... Uh, I'm different and it's okay, here I am, is uh, very powerful. Yes, I got, uh, this actually predates The Greatest Showman, but I got a bit of a sort of, with the whole change and the and the body positivity, I think uh, The Greatest Showman potentially uh, sort of clocked into uh, Biana's vibe a little bit. Alex, what were your thoughts on the song? I'm going to disagree. I, I actually thought the song was, was kind of doing all right before the beat dropped. Um, I think at, at that point, it, I, I don't like the hybrid nature of it. As Dan said, this kind of ballad dance hybrid number. I, I don't I don't I don't like all of a sudden that it becomes this kind of duh, 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 kind of thing. I, I, I didn't enjoy that, um, unfortunately, because up, up to that point, I thought she was really nailing it and I was really enjoying it. I, I mean, enjoyed the costume change um you know that that really added to it but but didn't didn't like the uh the the dance track euro disco number um nature to it similarly uh points deducted for professionalism at the end of it as one of the backing dancers whips his phone out to yeah, take yeah. a selfie so uh, points deducted for that and simon yeah i don't know about this one i like the messaging but i'm just not sure about the execution i think i like she hits some great notes in there, but I don't think she hits all of them. Uh, I think there's there's some areas where you know it's a bit a bit lacklustre, frankly. Um, I also I'm not sure about her outfit at all. I think it looks like a female version of Barney from How I Met Your Mother when he had the soup pajamas. Doos pois. Any doos pois for Serbia? Yes, doos pois from me. I think you nailed it. Uh, any nil pois in the room? I think we might have used them all up, actually. That um, Macedonian uh, number did us all for our nil pois, apart from those with, with less taste than the rest of us. So we come to predictions. Uh, Serbia's hybrid ballady disco number. Uh, Alex, where do you think it finished? Given the energy given the message i would find it really surprising if this song didn't feature in the top half so where does that leave us third fifth or at a stretch tenth fair enough we come on to the infamous song number five except it's not infamous this week it's just a little bit of a of a wild card something that we don't normally see at eurovision so for that i hand over to italy this is uh, their three-piece band Il Volo with their song 
Grandamore. Very talented and very handsome Il Bolo there. It's an Italian entry, so I can do nothing but hand it over to our Italian correspondent, Alex Smith. Thank you, Phil. And indeed, wow, this uh, this is goosebumps level for me. Um, I think it's absolutely fantastic. It's powerful. It's intense. It's punchy. Um, you know, we, we sometimes joke in the UK, don't we, you know, God save the Queen as a national anthem is rubbish. We should just use the archers instead. You know, this is this is almost kind of rousing Italian national anthem levels um, yeah. of, of energy and passion. Um, so enjoyable, so different. Adored it at the time, still adore it now. This is undoubtedly top three Eurovision songs for me. It's between this and the studio version of Je Cherche, I think in terms of my favourite Eurovision song ever, uh, and Yoki Papai, of course. And finally, in the interest of balance, uh, my significant other has moaned often to me about talking about gorgeous women on the podcast. And in the interest of balance, these blokes are really fucking hot. Oh, yeah. I think we all would. I kind of want to move to Italy and just be any one of these three. I was going to say, I thought this was like the three stages of Alex's uh, lockdown facial hair. We've got the, on the left, we've got the, the early on stubble, you know, just sort of growing I out wish, a bit. I wish, Dan. <laughs> and in the middle, you have uh, uh, Alex during his sophisticated tash and goatee combo phase, which looks a little bit like a magician. So. <laughs> and uh, at the end, he, then the baby face stuff, he shaved it all off because he got bored. Uh, Dan, whilst we're with you, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I really agree with what Alex has said. It's big, it's powerful, it's wonderfully Italian. Uh, the staging is very simple, but actually I think somehow they've actually done a really good job with it. Um, I do have one question, and does, does anyone with a better grasp of Italian than me, does grande amore literally mean big love? I'm guessing it means yes. like great love. Yeah, I can confirm it. it it's great love is the is the translation. It's, it's not a modern... Um, a modern reworking of fat bottom girls, if that was your concern. <laughs> um, so, Alex and Dan love it. That must mean that, Simon, you think this is an abomination, right? No, I, I love it as well. I think the, the vocals are fantastic. Uh, it's a really powerful song. I love the the guy's glasses are also great. Yeah, I think it, you you could say that the performance doesn't have much to it, in terms of like the staging or, or what they're doing. But I don't think it needs it because the vocals are so powerful, which I think is is kind of the opposite problem to what a lot of a lot of acts fall into this like trap of thinking like our, our singing is so good that we don't need to do anything. Um, whereas these guys actually pull it off, which I think is it's really impressive when they do do it, but often you end up falling a little bit flat. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. I think it's brilliant. Amazing. Alex, Dan, do you guys just want to offer your apologies? Sorry, I didn't know it was going to go that way. 
Uh, yeah, again, apologies, listeners. I know it's normally fun when we disagree with Simon, but this this song's too perfect. Sorry to everyone at home. I will endeavour to do better next week. I I, I appreciate your heartfelt apologies, uh, Minnie. Uh, again, I was disappointed that it wasn't the jazz song of Grande Amore. Uh, jazzimpressions.co.uk. Check it out. You have a great time. Jazz uh, impressions. <laughs> I liked the uh, use of traditional Italian culture. Obviously, I don't know if this is a brilliant execution of the opera thing that they're going for. I appreciate the effort, but it doesn't quite reach the heights uh, that Simon seems to think it does. Idiot. <laughs> Thanks, Minnie. Fuck you, Simon. Moron. Fuck you. Right. Well, almost universal praise there. Uh, so I feel like a barrage of 12s are coming my way. Do's me up, boys. Do's me up. Yeah, I, I love this song. I think it's my favourite I've heard over the course of the podcast, so I'm going to give it my 12 points. Uh, the only thing I'd say is just imagine if this with like a live orchestra would be just fantastic. Yeah, nothing more to add to that necessarily. It's just a great song, a great performance, 12 points. Si, dodici punti, por favor. Excellent. So, uh, predictions. Uh, Alex? Uh, yeah, this is one of my favourite songs. I remember it doing very well the night. Third is my prediction. Um, I, I remember on the night being disappointed that it didn't win and I put it down on the night to the fact that it was very late in the running order. It was last, actually. It was it was, go, 20, it was 27th. It's, and 27 songs in the final is the most that there's ever been because we had the big five, we had a host country, and we had Australia all with free passes. So there are 27 songs in the final. It was the only ever song to perform in 27th position. Wow. We will move straight on to the overall... Uh, placings. This this did finish third. You'll all be pleased to know, or unpleased. On the televote only, this song actually won. Uh, it, it dropped down with the juries, which puts pay to the uh, the rumor or suspicion that the juries are somehow more sophisticated than than the voting public. Uh, the juries had Monzemolo out uh, by by quite a distance, and. Uh, hence he he won but uh ilvolo with the the fans favorite if you will um but you know all things considered i think i think mons was a was a fair winner uh and think how different the eurovision song contest would have been over the last uh five or so years if he hadn't won we wouldn't see him every single year um so yes italy uh, came third. Then it was Australia, Guy Sebastian, that came fifth. Tenth, it was Serbia, Beauty Never Lies. Uh, our non-qualifier, because we'll loop around, was was North Macedonia and Autumn Leaves, leaving our nil point final entry as Germany's Anne-Sophie, Black Smoke. Um, there's a couple of you mentioned. Don't really think it deserved nil point in the final there, do you? No, definitely not. I, I, I kind of liked it, to be honest. I, I'm surprised. I guess I wouldn't have picked up the phone for it, though. 
and I think that's what really marks it out. There were there are actually two songs that got nil poire this year, and they changed the voting system afterwards. I suspect because they weren't all that pleased with the the idea of two songs getting uh, nil poire. The other one was the uh, host nation Austria with the Make Makes and I Am Yours. Um, that did, though, however, get a uh, a passing mention next year in in Love Love Peace Peace, uh, where it was. Um, a man with a flaming piano was a reference to that song. Electro Velvet beat this German song. Yeah, Electro Velvet beat this German song. Electro Velvet actually came 24th. It beat three other countries, uh, France as well. So it, it was actually third place out of the big five countries. Make of that what you were. And Sophie is actually... Born and raised in Britain, so another nil point in the bag for Britain. <laughs> right, so that was 2015. Everyone like it? Good. Um, that wasn't meant to be a rhetorical question. That's one of my favourite of your catchphrases. <laughs> so, uh, as we've alluded to, uh, Mont Zemmler won that Eurovision with his song Heroes. And so next year we are off to Stockholm for Eurovision 2016, but not on this podcast. No, instead we're off for another special episode because, boys, what is the one thing we never talk about on this podcast? Winners. Middle Eastern politics. No, we cover that quite a lot, if I'm honest, Simon. It's probably the second most discussed thing on this podcast after Eurovision is Middle East politics. Um, <laughs> narcotics. Uh, no, uh, Alex actually got it right with his first guess. Uh, winners. We never really look at the winners. And we're still not going to look at the winners. However, the winners can never let it lie. They either have been trying for so long that they've got some old efforts in the back catalogue that it might be worth us listening to. Or that lure of becoming the next Johnny Logan and having back-to-back wins brings them back, brings them back to try and do it all over again. So, inspired by our, our listening to statements from Lorene in our Melody Festivalen episode, I have gathered five more winners and a previous attempt of theirs to uh, win Eurovision. So until then, it is a good night from me. Oh, wait, that's a good night from me. Uh, and this is Daniel Kazmowski. Sorry, I just got an email. This is Daniel Kazmowski. Oh, fucking hell. Daniel Kazmowski. It's going to sound less like you're eating a Jaffa cake. Sorry, it's a cereal bar. Kajmokosi? That's a hard name to say. I, I nailed it, mate. I don't know what you're talking about. Since he's Macedonian, let's just call him Alexander the Shit. Alexander the Shit.